Welcome to Everything In Between, the podcast where a dad and daughter duo delve deep into topics ranging from true crime to paranormal occurrences to urban legends and, well, everything in between. I'm Emma. I'm the dad. That's Anish. Uh, How's your week? Uh, Well, summer, I guess, is now official. I know last week when we recorded, you was your last day of school, technically, but um, yes. But now it's we're in full-fledged soccer. I mean, sorry, soccer. Summer. <laughs> summer of soccer. <laughs> but um, it was not bad. We got to go up to Maine, finally. It's been yes. a long time. We cooked out. Got to see the yes. movie. Watch Kong. We watched outside, outdoors. Kongsville Island yeah. on our deck outdoors. We yeah. had a fire pit going. Yeah. It was really nice. Yeah. We made pizzas. It was good. It was a good time. That was fun. Yeah. Um, and then it's just been pretty much Women's World Cup. Oh, I, yeah. I, I don't care about any of the other tournaments now. They're just so bad. But... <laughs> Yeah, it's been uh, interesting. Yesterday. We just watched the USA Spain game. That was fun. Yeah, we're still not on a regular schedule. It's Monday while we're recording this, and we're probably gonna have to. Well, hopefully, we'll get it done today because your brother and I start the soccer nights um, volunteer this evening. We have to be there at four. So fun. I think we'll make it. That's like two hours. Yeah, well, I have to be there at four, so we gotta keep moving. <laughs> okay. Wow. But um, but yeah, we just watched the women's uh, USA. Uh, Actually, squeak by, squeak by Spain, really. Huh? They squeaked by Spain. Squeaked by. I thought yeah. said sweeped by. Sorry, no, squeaked because. Uh, yeah. And Spain I still think did. both those penalties were soft. I mean, I'm not saying they weren't penalties, but. Um, I mean, I'm glad they happened. Well, they needed the penalties, which is I don't know how many shots were really from out outside, you know, on target or anything like that. And I mean, Spain didn't really have that many either. Their goal was a uh, defensive mistake, but. Um, hmm. But uh, give Spain some credit. They're physical. Yeah. You know, they definitely they definitely took it to the U.S. But um, France, U.S., that'll be a heck of a game. Definitely. And you, what was your week? Um, Besides being see. free. Besides being free. I think we were not sure if it was Wednesday or before. I think it was, we, it was Wednesday that um, we watched some movies. Uh, saw Hereditary. And what did we watch after that? I think you watched The Thing after that, right? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, we watched... I think the thing about Hereditary is... I haven't seen it, so... I, yeah, I So think, don't give anything away. I won't, I won't. All right. Um, but, like, I had talked to some people who had seen it before, and it was pretty much either they loved it or they hated it, which is interesting. And you... I didn't have any... Like, it was, was it good? good. It was scary, okay, that's, but that's, there are a couple, like... Things that I feel like they should have spent more time on, like, uh, putting it into the plot more because it was a little bit confusing. Like, it was easy to get lost. Understood. But it was definitely, like, a good movie. Good. No, I'm, yeah. I'm intrigued. I think uh, the other one that uh, um, the director has coming out is um, Midsummer. Is this, yes. Yeah, this, I'm uh, very excited for that one. Which is, I think, coming out Midsummer. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We should um, look into that. Um yeah, and then the thing I'd seen before, but I got to show it to my friends for the first time, and they were very freaked out by Did they, it. Were they really? They weren't, like, like scared, but, like, they were, like, unnerved. Well, it's good, because... It's, it's very gory. I think um, for Stranger Things, which comes out on uh, the 4th of July, this this year is 
got some John Carpenter vibe to it versus the Stephen King vibe. So I believe they do pay homage to oh my uh, god, Dad. Oh my god. to the thing. I believe there's uh, some... I mean, they already had like a clip from it in season one, so... That's true, yeah. That's cool. But um, I love the part with the blood. Do they love that when, they t- when they're testing the blood scene? Like, do they freak out when that happens? That's awesome. It was great. Um, yeah. But yeah, definitely a good movie. Classic. Um, and Kurt Russell. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, we watched... Over the weekend, we watched Isn't It Romantic? Not a horror movie, but still good. No, yeah, it was. I, I was. I thought it was funny. I, well, I mean, Rebel Wilson is great. So yeah, she's I think. Amazing. But, um, and it could have gone like, it could have just been like a one trick pony type of thing. But um, the premise was strong in the sense of what, you know, why she's making fun of all the romantic films. And it didn't get tiresome. I thought, I thought yeah. it was well done. Yep. Yeah. No, that was good. Yeah. What else did we do? Well, we still haven't watched the last episode of Luther because we oh, got back yeah. late for Maine last night. But. We're gonna figure out when I do that because I don't think we get back from soccer nights like after nine. But that's um, not a problem. Yeah, well, we'll see if we get this thing done. But um, yeah, I think other than that, um, I guess really happy summer to all. And uh, oh, and it's our fortieth episode. Oh, that's true. Well, not mine, yours. Mine, yes. Yeah. But the podcast's fortieth exactly. episode. Exactly. Really, yours. So um, that's good. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so I think we got some good story. I don't know what yours is, but mine's a good story for a fortieth. Okay. I didn't so. think about the 40th when I did this one, so um, I, oh. since it's really not my 40th, I can just be like, oh, well, well. so that doesn't matter. <laughs> I was planning for this one to be the 40th yeah. because I was so excited to cover it. All right, cool. So uh, you're doing true crime. true crime? All right, let's let's hear it. Yeah. All right. So um, you will probably know this one. It's very, very popular. I didn't know about it until recently, um, but let me just start with a little introduction. Okay. So, May 19th, 1983. Hungry Like the Wolf by Duran Duran had come out the year previous and could be heard playing on the radio of a car driving down a desolate road in Oregon at around 10 p.m. Inside the car was Diane Downs and her three children, Christy, eight, Cheryl, seven, and Danny, three. They were out sightseeing going for a leisurely drive before the world turned upside down. Please. Go to your Google Drive and open up the first picture. I don't know if I know this one. You don't know this one? I don't think so. <gasps> oh, man. All right. Well, you can go to the drive. I see the, the picture. First yeah. picture. Yeah. Uh, so there's Diane, the only adult in the picture. Uh, and then from left to right, there's Danny, uh, Christy, and then Cheryl. Okay. So um, while driving uh, with her three children asleep in the back seat, Diane noticed a bushy-haired stranger waving uh, at her from the side of the road. Okay. So she pulled over and turned off the car, opening the door to see what the stranger wanted. Wait. Open the door, not roll down the window. Yeah. Okay. So he informed her that he wanted her car, and she refused, so he drew out a gun and shot her children. And she tried to fight him off, um, and he shot her in the arm. (laughs) okay uh she managed to distract him by pretending to throw her keys in the other direction and she got back in the car and started driving like a lunatic to the hospital uh when she arrived cheryl had died um she was a seven-year-old and the other children were in critical condition 
So the family uh, was treated for their wounds, and Diane was questioned by police. So the two were critical conditions, so they're still in the hospital, but Diane's wound... Diane, well, she's being treated for her arm. Okay, but the rest of the other two are still, like, in the hospital. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, so, before we go any further, let's talk about Diane. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, she was born Elizabeth Diane Downs. I don't know what her maiden name was, so I'm just going to go with Downs. Uh, she was born on August 7th, 1955, in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, she had met her husband when she was 14 and he was 16. So, um, just after high school, they got married and Steve enlisted in the Navy, I believe. Um, and they moved to a different part of Arizona in 1978. And Diane began having affairs almost immediately. So, the couple had two children before Steve decided he didn't want any more, so he had a vasectomy. However, Diane still wanted children, so she became pregnant through an affair. Uh, and you can go to the next picture. That's just the family. Okay. Um, so, initially, Steve like accepted the other child, but shortly after the birth, they got uh, divorced, and that was in 1980. Okay. Uh, so you can go to the next picture if you want. It's just of, um, Diane. Okay. So, uh... She had many ha- hairstyles in all these pictures. Oh, yeah. Okay. Like, pretty much in every picture of her, she's got a different hairstyle. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so Diane tried to become a surrogate mother to support herself, but she failed two psychiatric exams required for applicants. Okay, I think Uh, I see where this may be going. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, one of the tests showed that Diane was extremely intelligent, but also psychotic. Okay. Uh, And apparently Diane found this funny because she would brag to her friends about it. Okay, well, I guess, you know, if you have nothing else. Yeah, yeah. So uh, she ended up getting a full-time job as a postal carrier in 1981. (laughs) This is like so stereotypical. All right. Because they, uh, you know, they always say, don't go postal. Right. Oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, well, her children would often be sent to stay with others. Uh, Just and, randomly? Well, like her parents or okay. her ex-husband, all that stuff. Which um, one was her, her hus- ex-husband's again? Steve. No, no, which child? Oh, uh, Cheryl and Christy. Cheryl, okay. So if Diane was unable to find a babysitter, she would just leave six-year-old Christy in charge. Oh, so, back in 1983, we're going forward a little bit, um, at the hospital, Danny was determined to be paralyzed as he was hit in the spine. Um, and when informed about this, Diane voiced her surprise that he had not been struck in the heart uh, and stated multiple times that he would definitely walk again despite what doctors said. She was like, if we have to will him to walk, then we have to will him to walk. Okay. Yeah. Um, she also, like, immediately after getting to the hospital, asked to get in touch with a man named Robert Knickerbocker, who she had met in 1981 and had an affair with, because he was a married man. hmm So, Knickerbocker, or Nick, as he was called, um, he had broken things off with Diane before the incident, and she had moved to Oregon, uh, thinking that he would follow her, but he didn't. Right. Um... Christy had suffered a stroke from the attack. Um, 
and she was unable to speak for some time. Uh, however, whenever Diane visited her, the nurses noticed that uh, Christie's vital signs would spike. Uh-huh. Yeah. So Diane was incredibly eager to partake in interviews with the media. All right. She uh, would tell her story on numerous stations, and the public initially began to fear for their safety. They started locking their doors at night. Children would be, like, watched at all times. It was just very heightened yeah. sense of fear. Yep, yep. Uh, however, in the interviews, Diane's behavior was extremely odd. So when talking to one of her doctors, Diane said, quote, That really ruined my new car. I got blood all over the back of it. Oh my god. So psychotic, narcissistic, and just, you know, self-absorbed. Well, I guess that's narcissistic, so. Yeah, we'll get into that later. Yeah, I uh, bet. And this is from Diane in one of the police interviews. Uh, they told me that Cheryl was in pretty bad shape, and she might not make it, and I said, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, also during that interview, this is from the uh, officer who interviewed her. Uh, her demeanor was flat, not one tear, even though she knew that Cheryl had died. Um, and from Diane, I just kept saying, God, do what's best. You know, if they gotta die, let them die, but don't let them suffer. Such a loving mother. Oh, yeah. She cares so much for them. Yeah, so most of this mm. is just quotes from all yeah. these interviews. So from another interview... Quote, at night, when I close my eyes, I can see Christy reaching her hand out to me while I'm driving. That haunts me the most. Then she smiled. So, um, I know you had mentioned that I was going to hate this story. Yeah. Am I going to hate it because of all the things she does, or... I can't tell you that. You're just going to have to listen. Okay, keep going. Um, I'm already hating her. <laughs> so, police began to grow suspicious of her story. Uh, and so, they asked her to take part in a reenactment which they filmed, and she was incredibly eager to do that, too. So, um, during the reenactment, she laughed and joked. Uh, she fixed her hair in the rearview mirror um, while they were, like, setting everything up, and she was sort of flirting with the cops, just in a great mood. Um, so, you can go to the next picture. That's during that. Okay. Um, and at one point... Oh my I think God, that smile is... I huge yeah uh, that's at the point where she hits her cast uh getting into the car and she says ah, i just hit my cast then through laughs god dang this is worse than oh my god don't say it she cut herself off but cops think she was going to say this is worse than when, when I, I shot, shot myself my, yeah or killed my children yeah um so the interview that was probably the most damning for her was uh, with a woman named Ann Yeager. Uh, and throughout the interview, Diane consistently just talked about herself instead of her children. Even like the first part of it, uh, she Yeager asked her um, just about the incident. And uh, Diane went, my initial reaction was to go back to my childhood and a pain that happened to me there. Um, and Yeager was like a... a, a she's a reporter. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Um, and then this is a quote from Diane, uh, during that interview. Everybody says, you sure were lucky. Well, I don't feel lucky. I couldn't tie my damn shoes for about two months. Then she laughs. 
It is very painful. It is still painful. The scar is going to be there forever. I'm going to remember that night for the rest of my life whether I want to or not. I don't think I was very lucky. I think my kids were lucky. If I had been shot the way they were, we all would have died. But one soul in a... One of them can't speak. One's paralyzed. One's dead. Right. So they're not... Okay. This woman's crazy. Yeah. And even her father believed that she had committed the crime. Well, I mean, just from the... I mean, I have no idea when this all came out, but, you know, I'm assuming they're just building and building and building while they're doing this. Yeah, this takes they're place like, just keep from, talking. Like 83 to 84. Right. They must be like, well, just let her talk. Let her talk. Let's film some more. Yeah, you know? pretty much. Um, so as the suspicion shifted from the strange man to her, Diane talked in more interviews, aggressively defending herself. So did she have a sense that that the investigation had switched from Bushy Man to her? Or Yes, they... because it was mostly like the public like So the, the public changed, like that was it was out that they believed that there were, her stories didn't make sense. That yeah, there were so many was... like holes in her story. Okay. okay. So this is from Does she of... have a lawyer yet? I don't think so. <laughs> so smart. S M R T. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. She might, but I'm not sure. All right. Uh, so this is a quote from an interview when she was defending herself. If I had shot my own children, would I have not done a good job of it? Why would I have taken my kids to the hospital? Wouldn't I have made sure that they were dead and then cried crocodile tears? That's insane to think that I would do such a thing and then bring the witnesses in against myself. That's crazy. And that just goes on for longer. So the Danny was paralyzed, right? Yeah. Um, he can speak. Yes, but he was too young. He was three years old. Oh, three. Okay, forget it. So they were pretty much, they were waiting, they were waiting on Christy. Okay, okay. All right. Um, so they also realized it was kind of odd that Diane had arrived at the hospital with her injured arm carefully wrapped with a towel. Uh, and it turned out that she had wrapped it right after she had been shot and then driven to the hospital and not tried to do that for any of her children. Yeah, that seems suspect. Yeah. Uh, so, in terms of evidence, first, the only thing that police had uh, were some bullet casings found on the side of the road where the attack had occurred. Right. Uh, they were determined to be from a twenty-two caliber handgun. Okay. And later, when they searched Diane's house, they found twenty-two caliber shells. And um, Diane told police that she didn't own a handgun. Um, but so Nick, empty shells. Yeah. Not bullets. I don't okay. think so. I'm not sure the the how bullets work. Well, I'm wondering if they t do they test the shells, the shells that they found versus the shells that they found at the scene. Yes. So that means the the shells were empty. A bullet is ha a bullet yeah. is the the actual um, bullet goes, projectile, yeah, yeah. and then the shell is the thing that's encasing it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So Nick and Steve told police that she did own a handgun, and I think it turned out that she had bought it. Uh, recently before, right before the murder or the I don't know if it was right before but she had it was sort of recent um so remember how I said that Diane drove like a lunatic to the hospital yeah well a man told police that he had been driving behind Diane that night after the attack at one point and she he had to pass her because she was going so slowly that his speedometer wouldn't even register oh my yeah okay so, after that video reenactment happened, the police decided to search Diane's home. Okay. That's when they found the shells. Yep. And they found diaries of hers filled 
with love letters to Nick. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, in a desperate attempt to gather sympathy from the public, Downs became pregnant. With? She had picked a man on her postal route who was intelligent and good-looking uh, and slept with him. <laughs> okay. So She later said that she knew her cycle so well that she knew that she would immediately become pregnant if she slept with him. And this dude, of course, knows her because she's all over the press and he's just like... Yeah. She showed up to his house one evening with like whiskey and marijuana and seduced him. And the dude's like, oh, yeah, okay. You know, the world hates you, but let's get it on. Guess so. Okay. And then uh, when she was interviewed about this, she said, quote, you can't replace children, but you can replace the effect they give you. They give me love. They give me satisfaction. Okay. And um, somebody who weighed in on this is Anne Rule. Yeah. She wrote a book about this. It's called Small Sacrifices. I've seen that book. You've seen it but haven't read it? I have not read it. I almost bought it for you for your birthday. And then I was like, wait, I'm covering this case. Um, So this is, I thought this was a really good quote. She said, uh, she didn't have babies so she could love them. She had babies so they could love her. Oh my. It's like similar to the, uh, the, that woman who, uh, pretended her kid was sick. Uh, uh, Gypsy Rose and yeah. Dee Yeah. Uh, so let's get more into the forensic evidence. Um, Diane claimed that the shooting had happened inside the car that the man had leaned in with the gun. Um, but police found a large amount of blood spatter on the lower door frame on the outside. Uh, so they believed that Cheryl had managed to open the door and fell out of the car. And then Diane leaned over and shot her a second time. Oh, God. These are your kids. Yeah. So uh, the shells that were found uh, were examined, and then they deter- they were determined to have extractor marks that matched the cases okay. at the scene. Yep. So that's all right. Got it. So that's how they usually match up. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. So the police went back to the diaries, and they found a letter in which Diane had written, quote, Nobody else can fill your empty place in my head or heart. My kids aren't any trouble. And it was discovered that although Nick liked kids, he never wanted to be a father or have any of his own or anything like that. Uh, so Diane thought that the reason he... He didn't go with her. ...was because of her kids. Uh-huh. So she thought if she could get rid of them, then he would... Happily ever after. Yeah. Mm. So at this point, police decided to bring Diane in for another interview. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to read a couple uh, back and forth. Uh, Detective Welch, who interviewed her... Diane, your story stinks. This whole thing has stunk. Diane replies, then you better go get some deodorant. Uh Uh-huh. Everyone's a comedian. Yeah. And Detective Welch, it stunk from the beginning. Diane, I'm sorry. She says it kind of sarcastically. Gotcha. So at this point, Diane changes her story. And she says that she knew who the man was and that he had recognized her. Uh, and she began to get very angry at the police because they were saying, we know you did this. Right. Uh, and she started swearing at them and she said, well, I know who did it and I'm not telling you. So bye. She gets up and she storms out. Okay. It's pretty much just like a toddler having a tantrum. Yep. Um, so, uh, police didn't arrest Diane Downs yet. 
because, like I was saying, they were waiting for Christy. Yep. Because they wanted her to recover uh, so that they could have her testify. An eyewitness, right. Yeah. Uh, and so, like I was saying, at first she couldn't speak. And yep. It was about two months she couldn't speak for. And then she was afraid to speak. Okay. So what they did was they set her up with a therapist and the therapist had her write down the name of the person who shot her. Right. Uh, and then they put it in an envelope and burn it. Yep. And they would do this a bunch of bunch of times until finally she felt like she could keep it. Okay. Like she felt like she could show the therapist. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. So she showed the therapist, and of course it said my mom. Mm-hmm. So, um, on February twenty eighth, nineteen eighty four, Diane was arrested. Um, you can go to the next picture. Uh, so the courtroom was packed oh my throughout. God. She the just trial. looks psychotic. She looks like a female Pennywise. Oh my god, you're kind of right. <laughs> she, yeah, so the courtroom was packed, and Diane arrived heavily pregnant. Yeah, notice. Yeah. Uh, the prosecutors played the tape of Hungry Like the Wolf during the trial, and Diane reacted by bopping along to it and oh tapping god. her feet. Okay. This is the song that her children were shot to. Uh-huh. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. So, Christy did end up testifying. Okay. And though Diane is thought to have thought her daughter would protect her, uh, she said, quote, Mom stopped the car. She got out. She got something in the trunk. She came back. She knelt on the front seat, and she shot Cheryl, and she shot Danny, and she shot me. Oh, my God. Yeah. So the jury um, reached a verdict in June of 1984. Mm-hmm. They found Diane... Guilty on all You're five so <laughs> on all five counts of murder, attempted murder, and assault, and she was given life in prison plus fifty years. Okay. So Diane went through a psych evaluation and was diagnosed with three personality disorders: narcissistic, antisocial, and histrionic. Okay. Um, Diane gave birth shortly after this. Oh, poor kid. And her child was given to a couple, uh, the Babcocks. Uh, so Diane named her child Amy Elizabeth, but the Babcocks renamed her to Rebecca. All right. Uh, and actually, Danny and Christy were adopted by the prosecutor of the case. Really? Yeah. Oh, Which that's, is really cool. Holy, wow. So, um, <laughs> this story isn't over. Oh, come on. On July 11th, 1987... Diane Downs escaped. You've got to be kidding. From the Oregon Women's Correctional Center. Uh-huh. She threw her coat uh, on the barbed wire atop a 16-foot fence uh, and climbed it, yeah. jumped down from it, and then hid under a car. Okay. And she left her ripped blouse under the car. Okay. Which was actually the same blouse she wore in the Ann Yeager interview. Okay. Fun fact. So she got a ride from a couple who recognized her. Oh, my God. And they dropped her off about a mile away. Um, when this all came out, the prosecutor slept in a rocking chair by his front door with a loaded rifle in his lap. Right. In case Dallas yeah. tried to well, come. Yeah, yeah. Everybody thought she was going to try to come for her children. Yeah. The Babcocks were terrified. Right. And they were forced to reveal who Rebecca was to her, to her preschool teachers, to her babysitters, oh, to people that were coming into contact right, right, with right, her. Right. Just have to warn. Right, right. They were forced to reveal that information. Um, and they didn't want to, but it was dangerous. 
So Diane did not go after her children. She was given a map by a fellow inmate to that inmate's husband's house. And she arrived there uh, and he took her in. And what the inmate didn't think would happen is that Diane would get intimate with her husband, but she did. Oh, my God. Um, but police searched Diane's cell and they found, just like in a movie, stationary right. with indents. They traced. They found the map. Yep. They found the house. They found Diane. These cops are awesome. I mean, completely the opposite than most of the police that we have to deal with. Like, I guess it's the 80s. Maybe they are. Okay. Yeah. So you can go to the next picture. That's them arresting her. Again, Pennywise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about Becky, Rebecca. Um, when she was about 11, um, she tricked her babysitter into giving her, uh, Diane Downs's name. She, she became curious. She wanted to know who her mother was. Um, and so she was talking to her babysitter as if like trying to say that she knew yeah. what her, who her mother gotcha. was. The babysitter was like, oh, so you know who Diane Downs is? Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. So Becky then went to Barnes and Noble, found the Anne Rule book. Yep. And found out everything about her mom. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, it was going to happen at some point. Yeah, it was bound to happen. And then, like, she went through a whole, like, identity crisis, all these things. Right. Um, her boyfriend, there was actually a movie made about this called Small Sacrifices. Yeah. Starring Farrah Fawcett as Diane Downs. Okay. And when she was 16, her boyfriend watched the movie with her. She didn't know what was happening. And he, like, put it on. Oh, my God. Which is a douche move. Yeah. Um, but after that, she, like, her life, downward, downward spiral. And eventually, uh, she started exchanging letters with her mom. Uh, and at first, Diane responded positively. Um, but then she started sending, me- like, a lot of letters she became more and more insane and angry, um, and she started accusing Becky of trying to harm her and um, just being in on this conspiracy, all these like horrible things. She wrote like, a 12-page letter about this whole right. thing. I thought you were going somewhere else with this, but go ahead. Uh, well, Becky just decides to stop contact at that okay. point. So you can go to the next picture. That's Becky. Okay. And then the next picture is Diane now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god wow. yeah don't look like pennywise anymore no maybe a raisin pennywise but... oh, raisin. okay uh so she's been denied parole twice it's unlikely that she's ever getting out good um but she has refused to done to do any more media interviews which is probably good it must be the prozac or the drug she's on so she's no longer narcissistic but fair enough Oh, my God. But that's Diane Downs. I never heard that story. That's a great story. I remember seeing the book Small Sacrifices. I actually probably saw the... I didn't see the movie with Farrah Fawcett, but um, I thought you were going to go down that Becky all of a sudden became, like, her protege and was, like, had the same psychotic problems and, like... Oh, yeah. You know, no, that kind of thing. And then went a, down and, like, I'm going to start killing people on behalf of who you think wronged you. So, yeah, no, no. Good. Becky's I'm glad you... in a you good did. place now. All right. What about Christy? Christy and, and Danny, Danny um, they're pretty much staying out of the spotlight. Okay. They don't really want to like good. Good do for any them. interviews or anything. They right. just want to live their life. Well, that I, that's a good 40th. Yeah. So, Diane Downs. All right. Cool. All right. So, um, my story is an in-between paranormal ghost type thing. Interesting. Yeah. Um, 
still just getting over your that, that wow um so i picked this one because we were in maine this past weekend and i figured why not just kind of look you know through ghost stories terrify me well the thing was too was that it was between all the world cup games that i was sitting there and all of a sudden i was i realized we had soccer nights i'm like oh my god i gotta figure this out so so i didn't go down the dock i wrote with my it. whole story like on the drive home yeah, no night. i just i couldn't i had to do it between like games halftime that thing was like with sabs when i was with sabs he's like you better get on that so you can thank sabs to make sure thank you um but as i was just kind of like searching um, you know, did first a simple Google of like main paranormal, whatever it was. A few came up that were pretty interesting. Um, I can't remember which list I saw, but going through the list, um, a couple more, I was like, oh, I should think about that for a later one. But this one um, struck me because it uh, involves, I think, two things that would be in anyone's top 10 list of all things main. So when you think of main, mm-hmm. just what, what comes to your mind? Like, what are things that are main to you? Lobster. Yeah. Blueberries. Yeah. Um, so far, none of these. Oh. Cabins. Nope. Forests. Nope. Moose. Yeah, no. Hunting. Nope. Okay, so right, maybe well, so, it's not all things so made. So maybe, yeah. I, but what do you think? <laughs> so you in your thinking? top 600 of things made, maybe we'll get to it. Um, so two <laughs> things that I think of in Maine are lighthouses and Stephen King. Oh, <laughs> um, see, I was now. Yeah, I, lobster is always definitely the top for me from that perspective. Um, but right, I totally, I always forget about Stephen King being in Maine, um, even though we met him there. So nice, nice. The clear. reason these, this, these, I picked the story and why it reminds me. I'll start with Stephen King. Um, it reminds me of The Shining. Ooh. Um, not the actual um, best comedy sh- of all time. Not the actual shining sense, you know, being able to like communicate telepathically or speak with the dead and that kind of thing. I don't think I'm giving anything away for people who've never seen The Shining. Um, but uh, it reminded me more of the whole "all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy" component. Ooh. So what's interesting when we get to Cabin this fever. one part of the story, if I'm wondering if he had read this or knew about this this paranormal ghost story thing. I don't um, doubt it. And, you know, again, it's like how isolation, to your point, cabin fever can play with your psyche. See, I mean, that kind of goes with my cabin thing. My my cabin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, 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 it's true. But but cabins <laughs> are like lighthouses have to be basically on the coast and that things like true. that, you know. See, um, whenever I think of lighthouses, I think of uh, St. Augustine because that one's haunted in Florida. Gotcha. Um, I think of the Iron Giant because that's in Maine and the, mm. the lighthouse from that perspective. Oh, actually, I wonder where that lighthouse is from. I got to look that back up because I'm wondering if, you know, I don't think it's the same. Um, and then, of course, as we go into lighthouses, this one has to do with, um, I think I, I think I'm saying this right, uh, Seguin um, Island Lighthouse. Okay. It's S-E-G-U-I-N. I don't know if it's Seguin. Never heard of it. Seguin, I think is right. Um, and there are a couple of stories that, have to do with this lighthouse that we're going to cover, right? There was actually three, but I felt like the third one was kind of like a leap that they threw in there, and I was like, eh. I mean, the lighthouse is involved, but... Mm. Maybe if we have time, you can nah, just... No, no. Um, then look it up yourselves, I guess. Right. So the sources I have for this, one is um, New England Lights, which is about lighthouses. This <laughs> That was an incredible one. I, I didn't read all of the other lighthouse stories because I'm assuming there's other haunted ones, but this had a pretty... Um, detailed description of these stories of the three actually um then americanghoststories.com had a, a whole thing about it 
which again was pretty much repetitive in a way, kind of. There was a couple of things that were different. Um, Week in Weird, which I think is like Week oh, in New Jersey. Oh, I've used that like, a couple of times. You no, know, it's Weird New Jersey, but um, I thought they were somehow related because I felt like the fonts were kind of similar. Maybe they were just trying yeah, to play Yeah, I definitely that. have used them before. And then, of course, Wikipedia. And Wikipedia was just more about the history of the lighthouse versus the actual stories. I should say most of my information from my story came from ABC News because from the 2020. What year was that 2020? Was that recent or is that like really, really um, old? Well, there was one, there was like a special, like a two-hour event called yeah. My Mother's Sins that came out March of this year, I believe. Okay, and that was that. Yeah, and I and think that there was, was a 2020 and Becky in 2010. Okay. I like watching those now, like even the Dateline ones. Like I finally watched the Dateline one of the one I did for the in Gainesville. Oh yeah, which was which apparently I spelled wrong. Yeah, when I did. put it out, I'm sorry. I didn't. I didn't well, we know. got it right in the in the actual episode thing. It was just spelled wrong in the in our social in the, media. Oh, so it's okay. It's fine. Whoops. Good. It's all right. Trust me, <laughs> I probably spelled half the things wrong. Plus, my grammar sucks. Um, anyway, so we'll start uh, with the location on this whole thing. So. This lighthouse is kind of near the mouth of the Kennebec River mm-hmm. near Georgetown, Maine. So the island itself is opposite the mouth of that river. And um, it's pretty much a barren island made of rock. Okay. That sounds delightful. Yeah, it's, not, it's nothing to be happy about. Here's an interesting part about it too. But this, the, the rock itself, the island, is surrounded by fog for almost 30% of the days in any year. So Whoa. that's like, so thirty percent. That's creepy. Of, you know, I mean, what's that? Thirty percent of. Don't ask me. You know my summer brain is. We're talking like you know almost a hundred days. Wow. Right, or maybe a little bit more. Actually, it is a hundred days. Um, so there's a hundred days that there's just fog. Okay. Now the other part of this is and the way it's situated, this island and harsh winds, just weather, waves, everything just hammer this area. But because of um, the Kennebec. And being it, that's a pretty large river in Maine, and it's a huge tributary. So it's needed. It was needed for trade routes. So boats would try to come through there, and again, because of fog and everything else, they would just pretty much crash if they didn't have an ability to see, you know, where this island was and have some ability to um, know where they are in in the fog. So, in I think it was around 1795 to 1796. That's when the lighthouse was actually built, or it took that year to build it. Um, it's the second oldest lighthouse in Maine, um, as well as, of course, one of the oldest in the United States in general. Oh, yeah. Um, in 1786, so 10 years prior for being built and why it was built, Massachusetts merchants asked for the lighthouse to be built because they needed that access and they needed to for their goods and things like that to the Kennebec. Okay. Um, and at, the point, at that time, Maine was part of Massachusetts. In that, so I don't know how many states there were, but basically, you know, that's okay. That was how it was. Sure. Um, so for about 10 years of petitioning, the merchants were petitioning, President George Washington finally commissioned the project. Okay. Cool. It became operational in 1797, and it was not one of those flashing lights, it was a fixed light because it was always on. Interesting. The light was visible to ships about 40 miles out. Whoa, that's a lot of miles. Now, again, because of that high occurrence of fog in the area, the lighthouse was also equipped with one of the most powerful foghorns ever made. Wow. Now, the lighthouse itself has undergone a couple of um, renovations or actually almost straight up rebuilds. Uh, Hmm. In 1820, it was rebuilt 
in its original form, so they just made it another wood structure. In 1857, they actually rebuilt it and made it out of stone, which is now what it looks like today. So since 1857, it stood as is. Okay. The light was manually monitored or staffed by, uh, you know, a keeper, uh, you know, a lighthouse right. um, volunteer, and it was fully the but it got fully automated in 1985. So until 1985, someone always had to be there. Right. So the first story we're going to talk about is the old captain. Already, I'm, I don't know, I'm ready. <laughs> the first keeper was Major or Count John Polarzerski. Polar, no, I said that wrong. Polarski. Uh, he was a count of Hungarian no, nobility, and he went back many generations. He was cool. born in France, and he made his way to America because he fought with the French troops during the revolution after the war he settled in dresden maine and then he was a town clerk there for about 25 years until he applied for this role as the keeper unfortunately what he didn't know was that the salary was really not enough to live on especially out on that island because there's really nothing he couldn't grow anything there was no livestock to survive chickens things like that Um, so he constantly requested a salary increase from the town but never got it well that's not fair you're Putting him out on this island and not paying him that much? Like, ridiculous. And he served for eight years and then died, basically. Just died? Yeah, in 1804. Did he have any family? I don't believe so. He was penniless also when he... Penniless. Yes. So soon after his death, of course, strange things were afoot. (laughs) The keeper that was on duty... um, Afterwards, mm-hmm. started to hear a daily routine of footsteps going up and down the stairs as if he was with somebody. And it was a pattern, like there was a rhythm. Morning, around breakfast time, lunch time, evening. So almost clockwork, you would hear it at certain periods of the day. That's creepy. Versus other times as well where you would do certain things for the lighthouse. But um, on days of wind, fog, whatever, it didn't really change. It was mostly like that kind of thing. Except when it was the harshest of nights during certain winter months, then you would hear a lot more noise as if somebody was making sure the Everything light was on. Was, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of cool that he's like got this whole like rid schedule and stuff. The other thing that they noticed was the smell of smoke. Uh, just periodically. Smoking kills, guys. Now, in 1820, when the lighthouse was rebuilt, they tried to keep as much of the original. I mean, it wasn't like they had a lot of money anyway, so they tried to keep the furniture, furnishings, everything else uh, to, the, to its uh, original specifications. So the keepers who followed after that rebuild also started to notice weird things happen because the footsteps and smoke were still around, mm-hmm. but certain items weren't placed in the right place to their original... Um, like where they were put where down. They were, yes. So all of a sudden, things would move. Oh. And like not when everyone was looking, just... Just out of place, up. yeah. yeah. Uh, and then they started to believe that the old captain, that's when they're like, it is, has to be the old captain, was not happy with the way things were decorated. So then they started to play around with things by moving things around, and they would get moved. So it wasn't moved in front of them, except things started falling in front of them. Things Ooh. breaking, which they didn't understand because, I, well, I guess it wasn't... The original stuff it must have been their own cups or whatever else they brought. That's kind of funny. So they decided that they would throw away things too, like old stuff, and they'd reappear. Oh. Yeah. 
Now, during 1857, when the stone version of this lighthouse was rebuilt, they made sure to keep the original layout so not to, like, disturb the old captain. So now they so were, they, like... So they, like, built around this ghost. They believed that there was something here, so they were just, like, look, you know, out of respect. That's nice. However, in 1985, having a keeper became obsolete because they automated the light. Oh. So... That's in 1985 that happened? That was 1985. Huh. So for almost, you know, 150 years, somebody was doing actually more than 150 years, really, because previous to that. Um, but there was nothing ever, like, malicious that happened. Not, no. With, not with this ghost, at no, least. No, no, no. Actually, yeah. I don't think there was a lot of malicious, even the other story is interesting. Um, so part of this upgrade, though, meant that there was no need for any more furnishings, right? Because now no, no one's living there. That's not going to do wellness. Stop. Now, moving the furniture proved to be a mistake. Yeah, that is a mistake. Months after this move had had happened, the supervisor of that crew finally reported something to explain because there was a bit of a mishap. Ooh. So the night before the move, the old captain had awoken the supervisor in the middle of the night. Like the, the like an apparition? Yes. So he was sleeping. Whoa. The old captain was dressed in oilskins and shaking his bed. <gasps> he asked him not to take the furniture away and to leave his home alone. Oh. Now, the supervisor, chalking this up to like just a dream, ignored the wishes and no. just proceeded to do his job. The next day, the furniture was loaded to, onto a boat because they have to... It's Move on it. an island. Yeah. Right? So they had to bring a boat because it's up high. I Actually, what I didn't write, tell you was that it's also the highest uh, elevated lighthouse in all of Maine. In all of Maine. Yeah, I think it was 180 feet above sea level. Huh. Um, I wonder what the highest elevated lighthouse is. It might be your fun <gasps> fact. So he took the boat. They took a boat, and it was on a crane, and they brought it up to the thing. They loaded it all up. And as the, lo- the boat was being lowered back to the water near the jagged rocks, the cable snapped. <gasps> and the boat crashed down into the rocks. Broke? Just- breaking everything. The boat, the furniture, completely destroyed to smithereens wow yep and the old captain we'll get back to the final part still walks the lighthouse and you said you can visit this lighthouse yeah so that's the first story now the second story which reminded me of stephen king okay so again after that stone rebuild was in 1857 the lighthouse then also received other upgrades for the previous 60 years, the lighthouse was not exactly fit for more than a single keeper, let alone a family. The upgrades allowed to have shift keepers, basically. Because, I mean, when you were there, you kind of had to live on the island because you had to keep this light on. Like, you couldn't just leave, right? So, um, and the pay wasn't great, so it was hard for you to basically live in a lighthouse and then rent somewhere else. So it was usually a single person, maybe a couple, maybe you had two, but usually one person. That was their job, 24-7. Okay. So with this upgrade, they allowed, they made, had the ability to basically have multiple rooms for shift keepers, right? But this also allowed the keepers to have family close by because what that meant was they weren't up 24-7. They could actually do a shift, be home with their family, get, you know, spend some quality family time with them. And it was a little bit more attractive to actually get more people to do that. Granted, the job then was, still wasn't lucrative, so it was probably mostly part-time. Now, the previous keepers had their families join them when they could but that was short-lived they would leave too soon because 
most of the people couldn't stand the winters because they weren't, again, the families weren't living on the island. The families would live somewhere else, that kind of thing. So having a family in the lighthouse was never really thought about or was on the on the table when they even made the upgrades. Okay. But because it's such a high turnover job, they don't, you know, beggars can't be choosers. You got to get whoever applies. Yeah. So within, I think, I want to say a few years of the renovation of the to the stone, a newly married couple accepted the job and moved into the lighthouse. Okay. As, I can see where the shining thing is coming in. As time went by, the wife became very depressed and sullen. Aww. No neighbors. Winters are harsh. There's really not much to do. She didn't have a family. It's a rock island. Pretty much, yeah. And I mean, like, I don't know what you talk about for 24-7 when you're just basically hoping a light's on. Um, yeah. And, you know, they're living in isolation. So to help cheer her up, the husband bought her a piano. <gasps> oh. And she didn't memorize any music. Okay. In her upbringing of playing in the past. But with the piano came one piece of sheet music. One piece. Yes. They can't, like, just send one of them into town to buy a book or something? I don't know if he spent all his money on the piano, because it's not like he's getting that much money to begin with That's doing fair. this. That's fair. But, like, how much can sheet music cost? I'll tell you. There was no internet at the time. I mean, we're talking 1860s kind of thing. I guess. Now, one of the stories I read and I can't corroborate this, was that the piece of shoot music that she had was from Scott Joplin, who was like a ragtime entertainer. Um, mm-hmm. And I was going to make that my song. I was going to pick, uh, I think, The Entertainer originally. But then when I did a little bit more research, Scott Joplin was born in like 1867. So hmm. there is no way this could have happened <laughs> because this happened in the mid-1800s. So I just threw that away for there. But there is somebody out there that said it was, they thought it was Scott Joplin. Well, anyway, she played the same song all day, every day. That is horrible. She couldn't, like, make her own song. Every day? Turn into every week. Her husband thought it was funny at first. You know, he just kind of was like, whatever. What's ever making him keep her happy? But that was short-lived. And the isolation started to take its toll. The same notes over and over. Oh, my gosh. Finally, having the song on repeat... He had had enough. He had take he would take an axe to the piano. Jeez, I feel like there are better ways to deal with that. And then to her. <gasps> what? And then impaling himself in the head to kill himself as well. Oh my god. Ever since that has happened, boats have said they can hear the song of a piano playing or the notes of a piano playing all the way out into sea. They can hear a foghorn and then after the foghorn goes on, they can hear a piano playing. Oh, my God. You know, he, he could have gotten some other sheet music. Just uh. So today, the lighthouse is a museum. You can visit it. Yes. You have to take a, a boat out to the island, though. And maybe you'll hear the foghorn and then... Maybe. Volunteer caretakers who sign up to help with the upkeep, because it's completely, you know, non-profit. Mm-hmm. Has, have reported many sightings and strange paranormal events. Items have still are still moving around if you place them in different areas. Items have been tossed off of shelves onto the floor. There are mysterious cold spots. Tools disappear and reappear at random. 
doors have been observed to just open and close without any reason. If furniture is moved by volunteers, it is sometimes restored back to the original spot the following day. Wow. Some have reported hearing a coughing or someone going up down up the stairs, the smell of smoke. And they said some evenings, right around closing time, the sound of piano can be heard. Oh, that's so and sad. And it's always the, the same, same tune. Wow. And that is my story of the lighthouse. Wow. There you go. Can we visit? Yeah, we probably could. I mean, it's up in Kennebec uh, near uh, Georgia. I think it's a little, I'm not sure how far. It's a bit further up, but. But I think we should still go. We can. We can try. We can try to at least take a picture of it. And then go inside? We'll try. Depends on how long it takes to get this ferry over there and everything. <laughs> but yeah. I really want to go. All right. Well, there you go. Wow. That was really good. Cool. Okay. So it took an abnormally long amount of time to figure out all this lighthouse stuff. Um, and even now, we're still not like solid. <laughs> uh, so the tallest lighthouse like the highest elevated the highest elevated not like in height but above sea level is uh rubicon point light uh which is on a lake in california right i think it's lake tahoe you said right yeah Yeah. and it is uh 6300 feet above the sea level above sea level above sea level that's pretty amazing that's high (laughs) yeah I think that's different than like then, the other. It's way. not like used for ships. Obviously. Right, 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 right. Um, no, that's that's. But that's cool. the tallest in America, and I couldn't find it in the world. There's got to be some kind of cliff somewhere, yeah. you know, somewhere that it's got to be a lot taller. I also but, found out that there's a lighthouse digest, and they have a doomsday list of lighthouses. Oh wow! So that's cool. That is cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's the fun fact. Oh, it's a list of endangered lighthouses. I thought it was like. No, it makes sense. No, I mean, again, it's interesting to see with GPS and everything else now. I mean, you still need it with fog and things just to give you a point of reference. But I just um, thought I meant like a bucket list of lighthouses <laughs> to go see before doomsday. I don't know. I was wrong. Okay. Well, um, do you have any wrapping thoughts? No. I think, uh, again, summer. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> All right. Then um, if you have a, uh, a fun fact for us, or if you have a story suggestion, or you've experienced something that's paranormal, true crime, all that fun stuff, uh, send it to us. Our Gmail is everythinginpodcast at gmail.com. You can also submit it through our website, which is www.everythingpodcast.weebly.com. Uh, we also post visuals from every episode on there, so check it out. We are on social media, um, on Instagram at everythinginpodcast, on Twitter at between underscore podcast, and on Facebook, both a group and a page, both by the name Everything In Between Podcast. Um, check us out. We post when new episodes come out, as well as hints. Um, and if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please, please uh, rate, review, and subscribe. It's really, really helpful for us, and we will appreciate it so much. Um, also, uh, the titles for our episodes are comprised of songs which we have put into a spotify playlist called the soundtrack in between and um we would highly recommend you listen to it there's some really good songs i think so yeah um i think that's it but yeah yeah check us out there send in your stories and congrats on episode 40 yes episode 40 (laughs) 
I don't know what I'm going to do for 50. Oh, well, I'm pretty sure you'll figure something out. (laughs) Bye. All right. Bye.